0: been an honor to uh, spend the last 25 plus years with the the Alaskas and Jane and and now the Tangens. So please stand with me and welcome our sister Jane. Thank you. Mm. Way to make me cry before we get started here. (laughs) Good morning. God bless you. Good to be with you. It's been a minute, huh? Well, thanks for having me back. Oh, thankful to be sharing a bit of my heart, a bit of God's word this morning. Does anybody else find it hard to believe that the Christmas fellowship is two weeks away? Like, does this season give anybody else anxiety? <laughs> I look at my schedule, and I'm like, I'm a crazy person. If you're going to add one more thing to my calendar, I'm going <sighs> to... But that's why that's what I'm here to talk about. Um, this time of year can be super confusing for people. Um, it's a time that's supposed to be portrayed as the most wonderful time of the year. It's so often filled with sadness, loneliness, envy, just total materialism. How, you know, as we're in the thick of this holiday season, the focus should be Christ. Uh, I didn't tell Garrett what I was teaching on. Somehow he prayed perfectly for it for us this morning. But Christ's life, his mission, that's our mission. And I want to encourage us this morning that our focus this season should be on Christ, a time of year when... It seems like evil and greed are on full display. We have the opportunity to redeem this season for Christ. We know what that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've all seen it personally, and we've seen it on a large scale throughout history. One of the top things that the devil wants to take from you is your time, your joy. God is very clear about how we're to be intentional, with our time and with our life. Time is a resource that we all have exactly the same amount of every day. No one person gets a few more seconds, a few more minutes, a couple more hours today or tomorrow than everybody else. And our concept of time is only linear, right? Once something's in the past, once yesterday's gone, it's gone. We can't go back to that. Um, But God doesn't seem time that way. And God has just this larger perspective on us and on our lives than we could ever have. But have you guys ever read something in the Word and you've just gotten like so fixated on like three words that for months you can't get past that? And so for those of you that don't know me, uh, I guess it's eight months ago I had a baby, feels like last week, so it's my third baby. And so for the past eight months now, I'm stuck on these three words that we're going to read in Ephesians. So in Ephesians 5... Verse 3 verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Here we go. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. God wants us to live with care and intention. That's circumspectly, care and intention. He instructs us that we need to redeem the time. Not to be unwise, but you are to know what the will of God is. He does not keep it a secret. The phrase redeeming the f- time is also found in Colossians. Look at verse uh, chapter 4 verse 5. It says, "Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time." Redeem means to purchase, to release, to set free out of service or bondage. Time is referred to as being in bondage. And it can stay there, or you can use your time wisely for the glory of God. Why is it that our time needs to be redeemed? or set free. What did we read in Ephesians 5:16 because the days are evil. Twice we see that the wisdom of God is needed to redeem time from evil. The reason we take time to celebrate Christ's birth is because we needed a savior. God promised one and Jesus being born was a fulfillment of so many promises. And I'm not really going to talk about that. Bob's not here, but I don't want to steal his thunder two weeks from now about Jesus Christ being born. But um, God has delivered you from darkness. The redemption is complete. Ephesians 5, 16, though, said the days are evil. So who does time belong to? Why do we have to walk in wisdom and be set free from bondage, set our time free from that? Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. I'm glad I'm not there anymore, but that's where we were. In which you once walked... All of us, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This is still the case for all of mankind. There's two choices. You follow the prince of the air, which, spoiler, it's Satan or you follow Christ. There's two choices. It says we all once lived. Not one of us was born already set free. We were all captives because of the sin of Adam. Our time is all captive because of the sin of Adam. Christ redeemed us and set us free, gave us new life and a living hope. Let's keep reading verse 4. But God, again, not us, God being rich in his mercy because of the great love which he had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up with him. So God raised us up with Christ Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages, like for all eternity, God might show you the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God will continue to show you his kindness for all of eternity. It's not done. It's not just Jesus Christ is the only kindness God showed us, which was so much. There is so much kindness to come. But God says we need to be wise, to be sharp, to choose to be like Christ. It is not automatic. God does not control you, but you are his beloved child, but he doesn't control you. I've, I've tried to do that with my children, and it's very hard. So God doesn't do it with us, but it's a choice. We get to choose to be like Christ. Um, Colossians speaks here to our lifestyle and our choices. Uh, Colossians 1, starting in verse 10. So, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of saints in light. He has, it's done, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have the redemption and the forgiveness of sins done. You've been transferred from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. That is where you belong. That is where you live. Jumping down to verse 21, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Again, we were separated from God. We did not have life with God. He has now reconciled you in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. God didn't just rescue mankind from that power of darkness, which was certainly, again, more than we deserved, but he made us alive in Christ. The spirit of his very son dwells in us. We're children, we're heirs. That is something that should empower you. We were far from God. We had no relationship with him. He rescued that relationship in Christ. In Christ, he presents you before himself Holy and blameless. He wants that for you, and He has made you that way. We all have a really comfortable life here compared to so many people around the world. People around the world literally live in garbage and despair. It's very sad. And as Americans, it's hard to look at all this stuff we have and really see why we ever needed to be rescued from anything. I got pretty good. What do I need to be rescued from? But when you tear the curtain of stuff and self-gratification away, you see the sin and the greed and the sadness and despair in every single heart, every single person in the world. It doesn't matter their level of wealth, socioeconomic status, any of that. It doesn't matter. Every heart, every good, every evil, God is aware of it all. Said back in verse 10 that those who walk in a manner worthy of the Lord will bear both fruit, godly fruit, his spiritual fruit, and will increase in knowledge. People who spend time with God are often privy to information that helps them do the will of God. You can't expect to do the will of God if you don't know what it is and you don't spend time with him, right? Um, spending time with him is how you're going to hear words of wisdom and words of knowledge, spending time in prayer, being quiet. That is how you're going to get the instruction. Busyness, craziness, there's too much clutter. We need to be still, know God, get the wisdom. There are dozens of records throughout the gospel where Christ knew exactly the thoughts and intentions of others' hearts because he constantly walked with God and he was ready to receive information from him. There are good works that God has prepared you to do, but you won't know what they are if you're not ready to listen. But we also need to be prepared for evil and temptation, because it's real. Don't be so foolish to think, well, I've got God. I can just sit around, keep my blinders on. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think anything. I can just be passive. Yes, you do have God, but he has given you his word. He has given you his spirit. He constantly wants to commune with you to help you, to encourage you, to protect you. Because there is a prince of power of the air, and we don't want you to get swept away by deception, by lies, because he's real. Satan can't steal eternal life from you. It's sealed, but he can make time here a nightmare. I don't want that for you, and God doesn't. His purpose for you is peace and joy. But let's read in 1 Peter. It says, be sober-minded. That's to have clean, whole, saved, delivered thoughts. Think thoughts of Christ. Think thoughts that are in God's word, not thinking thoughts of deceit. Or don't think thoughts of being um, defeated. Be watchful. Be ready. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's prowling around seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Be ready, resist, be firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. It's not just you, it's all of us throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The roaring lion wants to destroy your life, your marriage, your church, this church. He wants to get you to stop following the good shepherd. That's his goal. The same temptations, the same hurt and damage is happening all over the world. And a big trick, though, is I don't have to do anything. I'm good. I'll be passive. And that's exactly when you get devoured. God has called us to his eternal glory, which is right now and forevermore be wise. God will strengthen and perfect you. Jesus so many times taught his disciples the necessity of redeeming the time. Jesus was so diligent about keeping to his mission. Did he ever get off? Did he ever get distracted? Was he ever like, ooh, look over there? Like, he could not be distracted. He didn't let anyone deter him from preaching or teaching God's word. He healed all who were oppressed that came to him. He was doing good, Always, all for the glory of his Father. There's this one time when Jesus was healing a, mind, a blind man that he said to his disciples in John 9, verses 4 and 5, it says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The purpose of Christ's life was to redeem us, to be our light, to bring us back to God our response is to love God and to live for God not just on Sunday not just on Christmas but from the morning you wake the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep from your first to your last breath it's for God <clears throat> so i want to look at 1st Thessalonians with you chapter 5 starting in verse 8 it says but since we belong to the day which is what the light we belong to Christ who is our light right let us be sober Again, having clear, saved thoughts, not of defeat. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of hope of salvation. Again, look at how putting on is intentional. We have to be prepared every day to follow Christ. You have to set your faith and your hope and your love. Be ready. Put it on. Don't expect to wake up every morning and this just to happen. I have tried. I'm good at trying to do nothing, and it doesn't work. Sometimes it takes adjustments to not be as comfortable to change your schedule a little bit to follow Christ. My husband and I had to do that, and it has changed so many things in our lives, but we we get up at 4 in the morning. I know it's really early. It sounds horrible, but, you know, that means we go to bed early, and we get up, and we read the Word, and we pray, and we set our minds right so that we are ready for the day because if I roll out of bed late, running like a crazy person, then I am a crazy person, and I'm the opposite of peace. I'm the opposite of imitating Christ. And I don't want that for myself or for my family or for everybody else I have to interact with that day. Let's keep reading in verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. God wants good for your life. He wants you to have a life that reflects the salvation of the Lord. But you have to put on the things of Christ. Your purpose needs to be the purpose of Christ. You need to fix that straight. Look at these next verses. Okay, God tells us exactly how to encourage each other coming up because he knows that we need encouragement. He knows that we need each other. We're not in this alone. You know, sometimes I get a thought like, oh, I should call that person. I should text that person. I should, you know, hang out, grab lunch with that person. I just kind of let that go. Don't let that go. That's God talking to you because that person might need encouragement from you. And oftentimes, that might be the person that needs to encourage you back. So let's look in verse 11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers... This is what we're to do. Admonish the idols, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, we always want clear instruction. Here it is. This is what you're to do. Seek to do good to one another and to everyone. That's a lot of people. (laughs) God's purpose must be our purpose. If Christ came to redeem all mankind, we must set our focus on showing the kindness of God in Christ. I don't need to give you a list of what to not spend your time doing. Okay, I could, if you want me to, you know, I don't need to tell you how much social media is going to rot your brain. You can figure that out. But Paul writes to Timothy that we're to cleanse ourselves so that we're ready to do God's work. Again, the instruction is intentional. Set your purpose. Look at 2 Timothy 2.21. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, talking about dishonorable things, he will be a vessel for honor. Sanctified, useful f- to the Master, prepared for every good work. There are good works God wants you to do. Good works aren't required for salvation. We're, we're saved, that's settled. But we're to walk in Christ doing His works. Look, you must choose to put off, put on the mind of Christ. Anything that contradicts God's truth, get rid of it right now. God has given you the mind of Christ, but you have to be prepared. This is how you can do it. Again, God's good. He doesn't give us vague instructions. This is really clear. Here we go, verse 22. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You have to pursue it. It's out there. Do it. God's with you. He has showed you the way. And it's to do it with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We're not supposed to do it alone. We do it together. We call on the Lord from a pure heart together. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant, that's us, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. That's a hard one for me. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them uh, repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Listen. People who are not in Christ, they follow the prince of the power of air. There's no other choice. We read that earlier. Here it says that you can help people escape from the snare of the devil. That's where they are. I don't like that, but that's where they are. Make the most of every opportunity. It can be as simple as a change in your perspective wherever you go, shopping at Target, while at work, while at home. God has called you out of darkness. We have already been transferred to his kingdom of light. Show that light to every single person that you interact with. Expect to see deliverance in your life and their life. Expect God to be who he says he is. He is the only and stable constant one. While everything in the world is shifting and changing its mind on every single thing that's out there, God is stable, he is faithful, he is steadfast. We need to have this urgency to be kind and tenderhearted to people, especially during this season. Here's two more examples where God is very clear on what our purpose as Christ followers should look like. True love for God and his people are this, James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Isn't that a cool version? Keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Keep your mind straight. Walk in wisdom. Redeem your time. The days are evil. Don't let yourself get mixed up in that. Then again, in Hebrews 13, here's some more clear instruction on how you're to love others. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained uh, angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Those verses are pretty straightforward. Our charge is to love people always from a pure heart, not expecting anything back. Most people aren't lovable. People are hard to deal with. Everywhere you go, ever, every interaction you have with your family, with your friends, with total strangers, it's an opportunity for you to show the kindness of God. Stress. Do you hear that? Not your stress. <laughs> My dad is the best example of this. Yep. His whole life is trying to engage with others and show them the love of Christ. It used to embarrass me as a kid. Everywhere we went, he had to talk to strangers like they were his best friend. Like, can we just go? But that example sticks with you. Okay, I can't look at you. (laughs) So the weekend before Thanksgiving, my family, which is my husband, my three kids, and me, we were shopping for groceries. Does anybody feel like they always pick the wrong line? And that could mean different things, but I always pick the wrong line. Okay, so we've got our whole cart unloaded, and the bagger disappears. You know, my kids are grabbing things, like, from the candy line. Like, why does it have to be so close to the side of the cart? So anyways, I'm just like, oh, my God. And the checkout lady is frazzled. You can just tell. She's like hair and her sweater, and she's just like trying to bag our stuff while she's checking out. And so I could be frazzled. Like the person behind me was starting to unload their stuff. I was like, oh, uh, like rolling their eyes and totally exasperated. And this like, this can build, right? And everybody is feeding off in each other, and we could be totally just like crazy and rude and disrespectful, But, so here I am wearing my baby, right, in my ergo baby. My kids are in the double cart. And so my husband and I were like, let's bag. So here I am, I'm bagging the stuff with the baby. She's, like, grabbing stuff. We're awesome. We love it. We're like, how are you doing? You're having a, you you are doing so good. My husband's just building this woman up, like, thank you so much for your service. Like, you are working so hard. Like, like I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, right? And do you know what she did? She smiled, and she was like, no one appreciates me, but you guys, this is so wonderful. Like, thank you for your help. You have a choice in that situation to be totally exasperated or to be Christ. And it's one way or the other, it's both contagious because then the person behind us stopped being exasperated and started being thankful. And we saw that person starting to bag their own stuff when we left. So we just changed all their days because we decided we're going to help. I mean, it's little things like that that you think like, oh, I'm at the grocery store, why do I have to bag my own stuff? Like, that's dumb, but it's just that the littlest thing like that could just change the whole woman's day, right? It's because when you know you're an ambassador for Christ, your whole world, your whole life, your whole perspective changes because you know your calling and your purpose you don't need to constantly search for the meaning of life, you right, because you're rooted in Christ. I truly feel sad and compassion for people who are atheists or don't have Christ, because they think their existence is random and by accident. They have no purpose set deep within their heart. The New Testament's full of people who, once they realized their purpose in Christ, they were filled with so much strength, and there's so much they achieved. I mean, read Acts. It just blows your mind. Knowing your purpose is how you redeem your t- the time from evil. Everything I do, every part of my life is for the purpose of serving Christ. As a wife, it's for serving Christ. As a mom, my purpose is serving Christ. At work, my purpose is serving Christ. Fix your perspective and identity on this purpose to redeem your time from evil days. Do not let your time and your life be held ransom. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's handiwork and workmanship. Like a master craftsman creates something and then puts it on display, out of all creation, God has put us on display. God was intentional with his plan in redeeming your life. We needed to be rescued. God did not sacrifice Christ by accident. He planned it for thousands of years. We don't have to struggle to figure out our purpose or what good works are. God wrote them in a book and He wrote them on your heart. It's written and He will show you. Redeeming the time, though, doesn't mean you have to be busy, busy, busy. Like, oh, I got to figure out things to do for God. There is also much wisdom in the Bible about resting be still, know God and waiting on the Lord and letting him renew your strength. There's a time to work, and there's a time to rest. And that balance in your life might look different than the person next to you. And that's something that you need to go to God for every different season of your life and find out what that looks like and what, how you need to seek him in different situations because he knows the needs that you have and the desires of your heart. Excuse me. In Ecclesiastes 3, Starting in verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Our hearts can't even imagine the glory of God in all eternity from beginning of time until forever. Our mind can't conceive that, but says that God has put eternity into our hearts, it's in, and it's in Christ. Our purpose is Christ. God does it all out of love so that we might honor and love and respect God. And that our works will glorify him, that our works will show God's goodness and bring other people to repentance and out of the snare of the devil. His goodness, you know, there's nothing like it. We want other people to be saved and set free. We don't want people in bondage. I certainly don't want my own time in bondage. Everything God promises, he does. There's never something that he's going to promise that he's not going to do. And everything he says and does will endure forever, it says. Establish your hearts in that truth. Be unmovable, knowing that God is constant. He will empower and strengthen you as you continue to be rooted in Christ. Paul was so sure of his purpose in Christ, and he was always so ready to redeem his time that at the end of his life, he could say this. We're going to close here. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Not only me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. The best use of your time is being authentic and intentional. Love others and cling to what is good, abhor what is evil. Love Christ's appearing, abide in him. Long for his return by doing his works. Rest in the love that your father has for you. So much love that he sacrificed his own son for you. Let's fix our minds and hearts on the immeasurable kindness that God has shown us and promised to show us for all ages to come. When we do that, we can redeem the time from evil, being wise and living as Christ. All right, I'm going to pray for you. So grab someone's hand and... Let's just fill our hearts with thanksgiving. God, we love you. Thank you for your words and for your truth. Thank you that you have made us alive with Christ, that you have set your love and your purpose in our hearts. God, we thank you that your mercies are new every day, that we start fresh today, that tomorrow is gone, that the pain of yesterday can just be forgiven, that we can look to you with a pure heart, knowing that you have made us right in Christ, that you've clothed us in righteousness, that we stand before you pure and holy and loved. God, help us to take time today in this season to honor you and honor Christ, to show your kindness to those we come in contact with. That everywhere we go, people know that We love you because you first loved us. We thank you that we can honor you in all that we do. And God, we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. We know that that day is going to be amazing, and we thank you that we can live every day in glorious expectation of bowing down and seeing him face to face. We love you, God, and pray for this week ahead to be one filled with victory redemption, for great hope in our living Lord and Savior. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen.